You are listening to the Happier at Work podcast, and I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for HR and business leaders. We talk about things like leadership, well-being at work, diversity and inclusion, and the future of work. So much unhappiness at work is a result of people not being able to be honest and authentic. If inauthenticity results in unhappiness and uh, lack of fulfillment, what is there to lose now about, about being honest? Hello and welcome back to the Happier at Work podcast after taking a two-month break, which was unintentional. (laughs) I wanted to take at least a little bit of a month's break, but I'm really glad to have had two months break from the podcast. And I'm coming back feeling very refreshed now and ready to get stuck in between now and the end of the year. Episode 76 and today's guest is Simon Stapleton. He is the CEO and co-founder of Truthsayers. Now myself and Simon have had various conversations over the last couple of years or so. I believe we originally connected on LinkedIn and he's just an absolute pleasure to speak to. So I really hope you enjoy today's episode. Simon's based in the Cotswolds in England and himself and his team help leaders to understand their employees and customers at an emotional level using their innovative neurotech platform that brings together advances in neuroscience, psychology and technology. Simon has over 20 years experience in building digital platforms for service industries and has led the creation of technology that touches the lives of millions of people. His mission is globally applying neurotech to the topical and important business challenges such as diversity and inclusion, sustainability and hybrid working. That's going to be crucially important going forward. In his own time, you'll find Simon creating unique ales and his partner in a craft brewery. That's definitely something that speaks to me anyway. I love a a nice India pale ale in particular. Now, the topic of psychological safety is one that comes up again in our discussion today. We talk about different things like culture and how you can apply the technology that Simon and his team have created in real world business decisions and business issues. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget at the end, I'm going to be doing a summary of some of the key points that were made during the discussion. And as always, I would love to connect with you on LinkedIn. You can pop over to my profile is Aoife O'Brien. That's A-O-I-F-E for anyone who is not a native Irish speaker. O'Brien, O apostrophe B-R-I-E-N. Or you can follow me on Instagram, at happieratwork.ie, which is the same as my website. I would love to connect with you over there. Welcome, Simon, to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to have you as my guest today. Would you like to introduce yourself to listeners? Yeah, thanks, Eva. Thanks for inviting me on. Um, yeah, my name is Simon Stapleton. I'm a co-founder and CEO of Truesayers, and it's our objective to help workplaces become more authentic. We do that using technology that we've um, developed over the last 10 years, which is, uh, uses the advances in psychology, neuroscience, and technology. And we, the way we apply that is to help um, employees and employers communicate their truth. It's such an interesting topic. And I know we, when, like, we connected through LinkedIn and we've had 
lots and lots of conversations over the last year and a half or so, probably. It could even be longer. I don't remember when we first spoke. Um, But always such interesting. I think what drew us to each other was this deep interest in data and research and, you know, creating happier work environments as well. And I know today we're going to talk a little bit about the technology and what you what you can actually do. And I, I, I think I made a bit of a, a gaffe in terms of uh, it's not about lying at work. It's about why why do people feel that they can't necessarily be honest at work? And I think that's a really, really great place to start. Um, you know, why is it that people feel that they can't be them tr- their true selves at work? Well, I think there's a, probably a universal fact that at, at some point we all lie. We have all lied in the workplace. And and probably most of us have lied many, many times. And pro- it could be every single day. And and that's, you know, a, a, a great example of a lie is when you walk into the office and somebody says, how are you? And you go, yeah, yeah, fine, yeah. And actually, you might not <laughs> be a great fine. Example. There's a good chance of that. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, there was some data research early in the year, um, which I think I shared with you, actually, that 80% of people lie about being okay in the workplace. Mm. You know, and, and that's a staggering number if you think. There's a lot of people, most people, who are not being honest about the way they really are, you know, the way they're, they're feeling inside uh, and would rather put a veneer on it, you know, that, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, um, and just go on about their business. And as we know, when people are not authentic, chances are they're not very happy or that it impacts your mental well-being. And that can't be right, surely. And so we've developed a technology which, as I said, uses neuroscience and psychology uh, to help employees and em- employers communicate what's what's really going on in, a, in an anonymous, safe way. And w- what we found is that some of the results are quite startling. And, and we actually use a traditional method to compare it to. So we're able to see what people have said versus what they're really feeling and the differences that are really the most interesting. Um, so, for example, we, we do some a uh, lot of work actually on diversity and inclusion, which is quite a thorny issue, and, and it's very much one of those things that most businesses are, are getting to grips with right now, particularly in the last 18 months. And, and what we're finding is that um, authenticity between co-workers is actually far less than that between manager and subordinate and and so what that's saying is is you people sat sat next year on on the uh, bank of desks uh, are being less authentic with you than they are with their manager and and i just find that that amazing um that why can't people be honest with each other about their feeling actually you're really annoying me yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah you 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 eating crisps in my ear is really really annoying <laughs> me instead no no it's okay you know you carry on um and that's you know that noise is starting to really affect my yeah day. i can directly relate to those, those kinds of experiences for sure yeah and there's you know the, the, that that's quite, that could be quite a small thing yeah. Not necessarily in the moment, but you know, in, in perspective, it's just, it could be a small thing. But it's, it's other things like, um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure most of the people listening will recognise it, where there's a project meeting or a 
operations meeting and there's a there's the, the the leader saying you know let's let's get this done today i want it done like this i want it done like that are you up for it can we do this and everybody's going yeah 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 we can we can do that and as they're leaving the room and the door is not even shut yet they're all saying to each other it'll never work we'll never be able to do that we, we can't possibly hit those targets and you know that happens all the time I, i've done it you know, I, I've been I've been the leader and the person in out the room, and you got to think why are people not honest? What's what's stopping people saying actually? No, we we're not going to be able to hit that date, or we can't do it to that level of quality. Now, for those business psychologists, that you know, there's groupthink, and I'm actually not talking about groupthink. It's not people necessarily saying yes because just the person next to them is. It's more about what's preventing me speaking my mind and, and holding my hand up and saying, no, I don't agree with that. And what we found is psychological safety is one of the, the big causes of that, or lack of it. The lack of that sense of feeling safe enough with, you know, to put your hand up and not feel like you're being judged or you're not being, you know, ost- you know, you won't be ostracised or, or, or pounced upon for sharing your your view. I mean, personally, I remember this was about twenty years ago. I was um, I was a senior manager in um, in an organisation where the leaders, the, the very top leaders, were wanting to accelerate a program of work, and I did put my hand up, and. I got absolutely vilified for it in front of everyone. Uh, I was said my my glass was half empty in front of everyone, and you know, and, you th- and of course, I, I was in my what was I, I'm in my late twenties at the time, and I, I remember shrinking down a bit and thinking, you know, maybe I'd better shut up. You know, yeah, Actually, yeah. Why should why should I have done that? I was I didn't put my hand up to be a troublemaker. I put my hand up because I cared to challenge. To, yeah, yeah, exactly to, to stop something bad happening yeah 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 i then that my psychological safety feeling of it was was impacted by that well this is it and i i mean i've had similar experiences myself where i made a suggestion and was very firmly told that's not how we do things around here yeah and you know do you think that i shared any more ideas with that organization absolutely not <laughs> it is it's a huge huge problem you know this i'm i'm, I'm curious if we can take a step back for a minute to try and understand the difference between, you know, it's interesting because I I think the general consensus and exactly as you pointed out, Simon, would be that the, the trust is more among colleagues rather than with a, a, a person and their manager. And so um, in... I suppose there's maybe two different aspects to this. There's there's that sense of us and them. So it's yeah. it's us as as uh, individual contributors, employees versus the management or the leadership or whatever it might be. Uh, but there's also this. I don't know. Is it a sense of competition among employees where there's that slight lack of trust because you don't know whether or not you can, you know, you don't know whether you can watch your back and and the underlying cause of that as well, you know, what is actually driving that sort of behaviour? And maybe at this stage, it's a guess, um, but it, it's I just find it really, really curious. 
Well, well, the one thing's for sure that that um, the trust and the psychological safety is is an issue for pretty much all the businesses that we've worked with. So it seems to be a quite a common factor. And, yeah. And the the causes are potentially you know numerous and. Um, the one thing we've found that which is fairly common to all of it is that the communication and the the, the um, ability to be honest without being reprimanded or, or, or um, kind of excommunicated is yeah. it's just not been there. And and you know, it does differ depending on the type of type of businesses. So we find the blue collar um, businesses tend to be m- more uh, kind of backstabbing. You know, you get cliques okay. form. Yeah, um, interesting. And, you know, and, and um, you get it's almost like being in um like in a prison yard. Those kind of um, groups and cliques. Whereas yeah. in the white collar industries, it tends to be a bit more sophisticated and under 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 the covers, if you like, less. A bit more underhand, a bit more. Yeah, yeah, Machiavellian, maybe or something. (laughs) Yeah, Um, and and you can you know you can see why that might be the case because um, the the kind of professional behaviour expectations it it differs in those um, between those kinds of businesses, but um, nevertheless, I mean, whatever's causing it, I think one ability to understand it and know it's actually happening is is key a lot of the leaders i think have their heads in the sand on this this kind of issue and probably see in others how they see themselves so if they're you know if, if as a leader i'm feeling okay about my ability to talk with my peers then everyone else must be right you know our culture is such that everything is open and actually we're finding yeah. the um the the leader's view of the culture is quite different than the 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 people working in the you know the doers in the business which uh, I I don't think that's a new problem but we're showing that with the data that that's uh, uh, still there as it always has ever has been Uh, the unfortunately what we can do is perhaps show in which locations that might be more acute or mm. what tiers in the organization or even you know things like gender or, or race and things like that yeah um, we're able to more pinpoint where those issues are with the with the tech yeah certainly yeah. i have worked with clients where the leaders think that they've created this amazing environment where people can be open and honest and and share their point of view because that's what the leaders do and the leaders yeah. feel free to be open and honest and share what's going on but actually the perception from the employees was that they couldn't really go up against what was being shared and so exactly that there wasn't that sense of psychological safety in in those organizations where that was happening so it's it's really interesting because the leaders often have this skewed vision of what's actually happening but they they're not really in touch with, with what's going on with the employees which i mean that in itself can cause huge problems yeah, and I don't think that's necessarily done with any particular malice or... or absolutely not, no. It's just the lack of awareness, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and particularly in the, the, the slightly smaller businesses, perhaps that have been um, found or grown, you know, so they get 
So the guys at the top are the ones who started the thing. So they 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 probably started that business with the openness and the transparency uh, from the start. But obviously, you know, as your team expands, as you get more diverse groups of people joining, as you start to get other locations which are not necessarily in the in the hot house that where you started, things change. But not necessarily the leaders are catching up with that. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, understandable, yeah. but not necessarily excusable, I'd mm. say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from from everything that I talk about, everything that I research and the clients that I work with as well, for me, it's it comes down to this concept of values and, and right. how important values are. And, and I think if you start an organisation like yourself, like myself, and you have certain values and you build up the foundations and and you're probably a little bit further ahead than I am, Simon. But, you know, with the idea being that we will grow and we could potentially have multiple locations and we certainly will have staff, um, uh, you know, and, and, and you grow and you grow and you grow. But it's important to hire those people who whose values align. So if you have someone whose values who have a strong core value of being open and honest, then they are the ideal people. If you, that's, right. if that's the foundation that you've built that organization on. And if you've built an organization already and you have that culture where people can't be open and honest and, and exactly to the point, like maybe you don't even realize that that's mm. going on, then it's, it, it's about finding out what's going on here and, you know, and, and really taking responsibility for the culture in that organization and making sure that everyone can feel that they can be open and honest. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, that last point is absolutely right, you know, and, and we've just done with um, another partner some work on understanding how culture affects authenticity and mm. whether culture is almost the, the cause of a lack of it authenticity as people try to try and fit into that culture. Now, I remember when I was much earlier in my career, I joined a consultancy in London. They had quite a strong culture. It was very much um, about play hard, you know, work hard, play hard. And uh, I wanted to impress the, my, my managers. I wanted to be part of that. And I remember adapting the way I was, the way I adapted me to fit in. And in doing so, I actually was less authentic. And I remember, yeah, yeah it, it got to a point where that trying to be someone who I'm not yeah. was so stressful. I, I, you know, was on the brink of a nervous breakdown. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, because I was the, the culture was such that I needed to be something else, and so I think the word of caution to leaders is is um, your culture might, in some cases, be damaging to people as they're trying to fit in, who are, who have not necessarily been hired originally uh, because they share they don't share the same values although they might have said they are. And this comes back to this whole honesty again, is yeah. the recruitment process. You know, how are you, how are you, where's the checks and balances in the recruitment process? Because if somebody says they share this value with you, do they really share it or are they just saying it? Uh, which is just storing up problems for the future, I think. Um, and it's not actually what I think, that we've got the data to show it as well. 
Um, so it's got this, that, that authenticity checkpoint. So I've got to start right at the beginning of somebody's journey into the organisation before they've even signed a, an employment contract. Listeners often get in touch with me to let me know what has resonated with them when they listen to the podcast, some of the practical actions that they have taken as a result of listening. And to me, that really, really means the world because it shows that the work I'm doing is having an impact. But they also wonder how can they actually work with me on a deeper level? And that's why I wanted to share with you today. And I don't often do this. I don't often talk about the work that I do, but I'm launching a new program called Imposter to Empowered. And I would love to tell you more about it. You can go over to the website impostersyndrome.ie if you want to find out more about what imposter syndrome actually is and the steps that you can take and find out more details about the program. Imposter syndrome is that voice in your head that tells you you're not good enough, that it really holds you back from putting yourself forward from opportunities, that people will judge you and think that you're a total fraud, that you have no idea what you're talking about. But also you think that other people think that you are better than you actually are and that you somehow have pulled the wool over their eyes all this time. It can happen when things like we start a new job, we get promoted to a managerial position, we start out in our careers, or we've reached a level that we think we should feel a little bit differently. We feel like we should have it all sussed out now at this time. But that's not always the case. And this nagging feeling is still there. So with this program, it's a six week online program with interactive group coaching sessions. With this program, the aim is to identify what your imposter is saying and take some really practical steps towards managing and overcoming your inner imposter. If you want to know more, like I said, head to the website impostersyndrome.ie or feel free to reach out directly to me on LinkedIn, Aoife O'Brien. And I look forward to working with you on a deeper level to manage and overcome your inner imposter. In the research that I did for my dissertation last year, one of the, you know, I always talk about this concept of fit and sometimes people get confused and they think that I mean it's about molding yourself to fit in with that environment, which is what the point that you kind of touched on there, Simon, but it's not. It's about finding that right environment where you can really fulfill your potential from the employee's perspective. And then from from an organization's perspective, it's finding that right person who holds those same values, whose needs that you can satisfy through the work that you provide. Um, The skills take kind of a, a lesser importance with the exception of, you know, a couple of different roles where you might need to have a level of uh, qualification or expertise. Brain (laughs) surgery. I'm not going to have brain surgery from you tomorrow. Thanks, Simon. Um, But yeah, but like, you know, people often talk about X number of years of experience, which is meaningless unless you've had failures, essentially, and you have learned, been able to learn going through those processes rather than having 10 years of 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 basically cruisy experience where you haven't encountered any issues. That's it's kind of meaningless in the workplace. It's all about learning from those failures. But coming back to this idea of fitting in versus molding yourself, one of the things that came out from the qualitative research, and this isn't direct research I did, it's it's research that I read about, was this idea of masking and and 
like putting up a front and how damaging yes. it is, you know, to do that. And you were saying like you were on the brink of burnout, like that's that's horrific. So it's it is so, so important to find those right people to begin with, to bring them into your organization based on the values. And I know we've discussed in the past, you know, my kind of grand goal, my big idea is finding a way to be able to do that in a meaningful way. And it sounds like you're kind of doing it from a, are they being authentic? I'm like, well, how do we assess people's values at the outset and find out what they are? And do they match not just with the values we say we have, but with the values that are being expressed in in that organisation, the values that are being lived in that organisation? So that's kind of the ultimate goal, I suppose, of of where I would love to to get to using data, using research, being the data nerd that I am. Well, good to hear it because that's where dis- good decisions come from, isn't it? Um, using, exactly. Using your instinct and data. Um, we actually have done some work in that space and we we developed a tool called Culture Fit. And, and much like you say, actually, it's not about finding people for absolute fitness. It's more, does your culture fit the organisation you've got? Yeah. Um, and, and actually, it's probably easier to to adjust the culture um, than it is to adjust the, the, the people, particularly in big organisations. That would be incredibly expensive and time-consuming exercise to go and recruit a lot more people and can get get rid of those that don't fit. Yeah, um, yeah that's a good point, but, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so that, 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 that tool um, is predominantly looks at the organisation from a values perspective. You know, we, we call them cultural artefacts, but they're, they're values at the end of the day. Yeah, and we measure people's um, observations of what they see within the organisation and compare that to what's important to them. So we, yeah. there's a there's a kind of inward reflection and there's an outward reflection, and we see where they overlap. And some things in the Venn diagram map really nicely, and some don't at all. And we'd say those are culturally um, obscure, and something needs to be done. Yeah. Um, and the tech we 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 use to do that is is a quite a different kind of tech. It's it uses um, response times to certain stimuli, you know, statements, and it's the hesitation. It's the hesitation to completing the task is where how we get our data. Because if yeah 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 if you're forced to do something that you don't agree with, yeah, it, sometimes yeah, <laughs> yeah, if you're forced to do something you don't agree with, you'll hesitate, you know, and you'll hesitate yeah. subconsciously, non-consciously before you've even got a chance to think about it, and that's yeah. how we we get our our data using our tools. So it's one of those where you you can't you can't really lie or you can't try and fake it, you know, it, it's it catches you out in terms of. Um, by the time you've thought of falsifying your, your result, it's the, the, your chance has gone to complete the task. So it happens yeah. very quick. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's how we get our, our data about what people are really feeling. And we will yeah. ask them, as I said, about, we'll ask them to complete a traditional survey, which is what they're thinking, what they're consciously thinking, and we compare the, the two. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So one is the kind of the thinking and the other is kind of the subconscious, what's going on there. Feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we, we, we launched the business with a name just to do the feeling because we thought, actually, all the traditional methods, they don't work. We're, we're going to be blinkered and, and just do the feeling stuff. But we did find having 
we were asked to do the, the thinking stuff too. Actually, it's a really valuable data set. Um, it's not because you can compare. Absolute, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it, it, the comparison is the most interesting data of all. It's where you see the big gaps between what people are thinking and what they're feeling, or what they're what they're saying. Um, and sometimes we've had gaps of on a scale of one zero to hundred, we've had eighty percent gaps between. You know, I'm I'm feeling this, which actually yeah. might be super low, but I'm saying this, which is super high. And you think, gosh, there's a there's a massive gap there. Why are people so um, so inauthentic about what they they're feeling on these certain issues? Yeah, yeah. And are there any other kind of highlights coming out from the data that you can share? Like that's not kind of um, uh, that's not private or anything like that. But I know like we we one of the interesting things that we spoke about earlier was this idea that, uh, say, the, the trust between peers is less than the trust between a, a person and their manager. So is there anything else like maybe around the DE&I or something like that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, particularly from an inclusion, which feeling included comes from an emotional place. It's not a, it's not mm. a rational thing. It's something which you either feel or you don't, or, or the opposite is you're feeling excluded. And and we find that in some cases those gaps can be considerable. In fact, the the example I gave about the eighty percent difference was was a DEI survey. And those are that 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 particular data point was around um, whether my um, peers think I'm doing a good job, and and it's the individual answering it about what they their peers think and what what what's really happening there, which is the fa- most fascinating thing of all, is it's about projection because yeah because the individual doesn't know for sure what their peers are thinking about them yeah um it's what it's almost what they think their peers should be thinking about them and so it's very much a reflective point you know and and a projective point and and so you know that's been just amazing to see how people project their thoughts onto other people and and it really reveals what they think about themselves yeah the whole point of best work comes up very often um in, in in many cases kind of um people are thinking they are their their best self but they're not doing their best work and we've seen that drop significantly um through through lockdown and, and covid that um the 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 expectations people put on themselves are, are unrealistic about okay. the quality and the, the speed of doing their work and the ability to actually do the same job whilst under lockdown as they as they were when when they were working yeah, together. Yeah. And it, so that's not shouldn't be any surprise to actually anybody. But of course what we also find is that the, the employees are not telling their leaders, I'm struggling to do this or I'm not hitting my quality targets or my out you know productivity. 
Um, Understandable, but, because yeah, it's that fear yeah. of reprimand again. It's that lack of, of psychological course. safety. So yeah, I can sure. see, sure. yeah, I can see, Simon, exactly why you're saying that everything kind of boils down to this and it, this idea of trust and psychological safety across anything you're doing. Um, a couple of things that I wanted to touch on was there was this idea of it struck me that it's an, a quick fix to if if you find that the, there's a huge difference between how I perceive myself and how my, how I don't know wh- how others perceive me, well, that's kind of like let's create a feedback culture. Let's talk about what people's strengths are. Let's get the conversation going. So that that was one thing that struck me, and then this other idea that. Um, people think that they're their best selves, but they're not giving their best work. Like that's kind of a, 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 a differential in itself. And, and, and I did a survey, you know, it's, it's, it's not exactly scientifically robust. It was a poll that I ran on LinkedIn asking people whether or not they were fulfilling their potential in their current role. Right. And 80% of people said that they weren't. And I thought that that was phenomenal you know you're not fulfilling your potential in your in your current role like what is the gap there any thoughts to share around how people can reach more of their potential at work or is it that they're blaming themselves for not working to their highest performance during a pandemic well i think the 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 expectations people put on themselves is is the um big issue there um i don't think people deliberately do a bad job do they um speak it's it's very rare to find someone who deliberately turns up at work yeah. to do a bad job. So most exactly, people want yeah. to do a good job, don't they? Yeah. But it's it's providing that opportunity to do a good job as well. So I know right. I have been in roles where I haven't felt that I could reach my potential in that role because the role didn't require the skills that I have. Right. And that's, you know, I think there's two bits there. One is, um, am I... Am I doing everything for me that I can to change that? And then there's is the environment or the, the, my manager helping me do that. Am I being honest with my quarterly reviews or whatever the process is? Am I am I using that? Yeah. You know, or am I just keeping stum and not being open and, and honest about what I need to my manager? And again, the, you know. As a as a rational individual, of course, you're going to say, "Well, I'll speak to my manager and we'll get this sorted." But we know that doesn't always happen. What's getting in the way? Yeah. Um, what What's getting in the way of me reaching my potential? Something that the my employer can help me do. You know, if there's a dead stop, we you know if there's a dead stop. You know, it's like a brain surgeon uh, stacking shells in a supermarket. But that <laughs> yeah. job needs to be done. And so it's not about demeaning that job, but that individual is not going to get fulfilled doing that. And speaking to their manager would be pointless. That's just an obvious thing. Yeah. But, you know, if that if that brain surgeon was in a high-end hospital, you know, and, and they're not being filled, that, that is the conversation that could be. That could be By the way, I don't know a brain surgeon, so I might be completely wrong about that. <laughs> Um, but you know, I think it comes down to, to and the you, reason why I love the name of your blog, being happiness at work, is so much unhappiness at work is a result of people not being able to be honest and authentic, and not necessarily because they've created that, but it's just the environment, the situation means they can't be. 
And for me, I think uh, one thing is if inauthenticity results in unhappiness and probably, as we've been talking about, uh, lack of fulfilment, some ways, what is there to lose now about about being honest? You know, if I get fired for speaking my mind, some ways, so what? Um, I think the only the only thing that puts the brakes on that a bit is some people can't afford to lose their jobs, can they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it, it's it's a terrifying fear as well, and it's probably unfounded like you're not and you know I've spoken about so it's interesting that psychological safety comes up again because I've spoken about this multiple times on the podcast in the past and and uh, one thing sticks in my mind Dwena Blomstrom she was like no one's going to get fired for just speaking their mind you're not going to get fired for speaking up at work yeah you know there is that real fear but who has ever been fired for for challenging how things are done well in my case I, I said earlier i i felt that you know so yeah um, yeah yeah it, yeah it's it's a real thing that happens for everyone rationally you yeah. can you can think you know it's just ridiculous to think that but for sure instinctively innately um you, you in the situation you think otherwise so you know i think both as an individual and as a leader it should be our mission to help people be more authentic yeah, which will improve the quality of uh, of life in the workplace. Will help people become happier and and more um, more productive. You know, I, I think we. What, why why shouldn't why shouldn't we feel that's a very noble and um, positive thing to do? And, and yeah, we might hear some stuff we don't like. We might we might be told actually that thing we've invested loads in actually it's rubbish you know but so what let's let's it's worth it yeah at least now you've you've taken the learning from that now you know and you know i'm exactly the same in in my business as well like you don't know until you take those risks and you get the learning from it and you know you don't throw good money after bad you don't throw good time after bad you take the learning and and you move on um simon conscious of time here uh, but I'd love to um, get your, um, you know, understand what makes you happier at work? Great question. And actually it comes back to what what I've been talking about is to be myself. I've, I was not myself for quite some time at work. And now I, f- I feel I've found myself and I can be myself. And my, yeah. I've, I work with some great people where I'm, I'm totally authentic. It makes me very happy. Brilliant. Love that. And if people want to reach out and connect with you, find out more about what, what it is you do, what your company offers, how can they do that? Well, you can go to our website, which is truesayers.io. We are just about to refresh it, so um, bear with us. Otherwise, you can go to our LinkedIn page, which is Truesayers Neurotech, or, or just connect with me, Simon Stapleton, um, on the on the truth yeah and i must say i love this all the stuff that you share simon i don't often see the company stuff but i know that you on your personal page share the the company stuff as well which is great yeah, and um, always really really interesting insights so thank you so much for your time today really really enjoyed our chat yeah thanks it's great to be here today thank you that was simon stapleton from truth sayers 
And before I go on to wrap up some of the key points that we discussed on the podcast, I would love to get your thoughts on what actions you are taking, what you thought of the podcast, what resonated most with you. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. My name is Aoife O'Brien and I'll spell that for the non-Irish listeners out there. It's A-O-I-F-E O apostrophe B-R-I-E-N. I would love to connect with you on LinkedIn. You can also follow me on Instagram. That's at happieratwork.ie. That is also my website if you want to check out my website and you will be able to listen to past episodes on my website as well. So Simon and I started by talking about this concept of the importance of psychological safety and engagement. And I know that this is something that I have spoken about countless times on the podcast, how important psychological safety is to create that sense of trust within an organisation. The interesting thing was that there was less trust from the studies that Simon had carried out. There was less trust among peers rather than manager and subordinate. To me, that was quite surprising because I think in a lot of organisations, there is this this feeling of us and them between managers and subordinates or certainly between groups of leaders and, and groups of individual contributors. We spoke about the first lie being I'm okay. So if someone asks you, how are you doing? And you say, I'm okay. Now in Ireland, we would probably brush it off and and say something like, I'm grand. The other thing to consider is that lying impacts our ability to be authentic at work. So if we can't share our full selves, then, you know, there is this, it has a knock on impact on us being able to bring our full selves to work. And that's a crucial part of being happier at work as well. Typically speaking, the leader's view of culture is very different to the employee's view. And that has certainly been my experience of working with organisations that the, the leaders believe that they have created this environment of psychological safety, this environment of inclusion. But actually, the perception of that from the employee's perspective is not quite the same. We spoke about how culture affects authenticity and this idea of trying to fit in, trying to impress managers. Now, I talk about this concept of fit quite a lot. And my idea of fitting in is is not molding yourself to fit in in the organisation. It's more about finding a place where you naturally belong, where your values align with that organisation already so that you don't have to feel like you're changing yourself. Having said that, we are influenced by the culture that we're in. And equally, the culture is influenced by us being there by nature of what we bring to the table when we join an organisation as well. We spoke about how culture can be damaging to people. And I certainly have been on the receiving end of this being in a toxic working environment. We spoke about this idea of masking, like masking your authentic self and the authenticity checkpoint. So, you know, a couple of points on this, that are you checking yourself at the door? Are you a different person in work than you are in your home life? Simon said it's, you know, he's, I love this, this idea of it's, it's less expensive to change culture than to change people. So if you find that you do have this toxic culture or the perception from the employee's perspective is that the culture needs to change or, uh, as I like to say, it doesn't do what it says on the tin. So you're saying your values are one thing, but actually the behaviours and, and the decisions are made in a completely different way, then it's easier rather than to hire a whole new team of people, it's easier to address those issues within the culture. We spoke as well about this concept of best work and even if people are their best selves at work, 
making sure that they're actually doing their best work. And if they're not doing their best work, asking themselves, am I doing everything I can to change that? Another important question to ask is, am I being honest with my manager? And this kind of links with the idea that you need to be able to understand what your needs are, but also to be able to communicate what those needs are. So rather than feeling frustrated at work, giving language to what those needs are. That is uh, one of the things that I do in my work with organisations is looking at identifying what people's needs are. So we have these universal needs and we have these unique needs. And are people able to understand and articulate what their needs are and especially share those with their manager? So again, I would love to get your thoughts on this episode. What are you going to take from it? What are you going to do differently as a result of listening to this episode? Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, Aoife O'Brien, or connect with me through my website, happieratwork.ie, or connect with me on Instagram, happieratwork.ie. I would absolutely love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you here. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love if you could rate or review the podcast or share it with a friend. You'll find me on the website happieratwork.ie.